podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of, T- of um, Chessie Hour. Um, you're joined by me, your host Slade Babs and um, today I've also got Dan. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing good. You're, you're so used to hosting Touchline Fracker now. <laughs> <laughs> you introduce it as the people. I love it man. The glow up is good. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously, guys, as you know, we're doing our 11s, you know, across the um, the Chessy Hour team. And obviously, today is Dan's turn. So we'll be going through Dan's team. Hopefully, I can tear it apart a bit, you know, put a bit of doubt in his mind. And, yeah. you know, let's, let's, let's see where his head's at, as, um, you know, as, as some would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been giving it out. So you have to be harsh. You know what I'm saying? And listen... That like you can be as harsh as you want. Don't worry, I can take it. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I know you're you're made of of tough skin. Yeah, so, yeah, Dan, yeah. before we go into it, so what have you thought of the news? You know, with Chelsea this week in terms of um the 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 links. Um, any of them um interested you? Any of the links influencing does it influence in this eleven? Um. So I did this eleven. I can't remember what day I've done it, but I haven't looked at it for a while. And even now, I'm looking at. It, I'm thinking, damn, it, maybe it's going to get tarnished, but. Um, in terms of the links, I, I know we were linked with the lit today. Apparently, he's put in a transfer request. I'm hearing apparently Chelsea are showing big interest. I know that I think he was the one, it was either him or De Jong, where apparently Tuchel cried when he missed out on him. It might have been De Jong, but I know that it was he De Jong, wanted, yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, he wanted both of them. And the thing is, with Tuchel, <laughs> and we've seen that at Chelsea, like whenever we sign a player, first thing he starts talking about is their attitude and their character. and um, I remember hearing the yacht, was it the lit? Um, I think he's like, he done a speech as well um, to either Ajax or like the Dutch team. And so he's supposed to be this captain leader, legend figure. So apparently um, Tuchel's liked him for ages. And we've been linked with him since Tuchel's taken charge. Like, it hasn't been constant links, but reoccurringly um, links have come up about the lit. So it wouldn't be. It wouldn't surprise me if he was uh, Tuchel's first choice, and I, and I know that apparently, obviously, news this week, uh, Marina's gone, and it seems premature. It it felt like Marina and Bruce Buck were supposed to be around for a while, just lingering, but um, apparently, it's been kind of terminated, cut short, and Todd Bowley's just gonna uh, do everything, and I think that makes sense, really and truly, because you don't want your first season to have the excuses. Well, I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? It would be good for him to get in the hot seat, 
And so whatever happens, at least he feels like he's done his best. And Marina is still going to be around as an uh, advisor, apparently, which is good because obviously someone that's coming in from outside the football network, I feel like that can be scary. It can be scary for a number of reasons. Number one, obviously, you just haven't built the relationships with all of these other guys that you're supposed to be negotiating with. You don't necessarily know their ticks. You know, you don't know them that well. So you're you're almost entering into uncharted waters. Now, obviously, we know he's come from another sport. So, again, he there's still that space there of the fact that he's not new to this completely. But I feel people shouldn't underestimate the fact that this is a different domain. There's going to be things that are nuances that are specific to football that he could get caught out on. Um, I'll give you an example. Just obviously that people talk about, oh, he's come from this sport, this, that sport. Different sports are different. You know what I'm saying? You, you might be at your peak. In one sport, it might make sense to spend big money on someone that's 28. In football, like we've just seen that with Lukaku, probably not. When I look at the top um, most expensive signings, I think if you look at it now compared to where it was about 20 years ago, it was full, filled with old people. But now you're actually seeing people are spending big money on younger players in football. And that's just the market kind of reaffirming that actually you might buy Dembele when he's 21. He might be injury prone, et cetera, et cetera. But at least now, I know he's going on a free, but there's still a strong market for Dembele. Sancho's just flopped for United, but there's still some time to work out. With Lukaku flopping at Chelsea, that, that issue has to be sorted now because there's no time. And so obviously those type of things he might learn. I'm sure that he's going to have the ear of other people, but I just wanted to kind of reaffirm the fact that it's there's nuances to football and he's going to be the it seems like maybe even the sole negotiator so that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out will he have the right people around him when Roman came in the first thing he did was seek out Hiddink he saw out the Visser that's how he built that relationship and he kind of surrounded himself with people that have proved themselves in football to have good talent ID and to have good knowledge and so with uh Bowley I know that we're linked with Michael Edwards will probably get into that in terms of his, like everybody just sees him as the guy that he's going to come in and he's going to do amazing. I look at the list of the, the players that he's brought, that has been brought in since he's been in charge. And when I look at that list, I can't lie. I feel like if he was at Chelsea, um, it depends on the hit rate because obviously we were in for Van Dyke, we were in for Va- Allison, And so apparently both of those managers prefer to work under Klopp. So let's say Michael Edwards here, and both of those just say, actually, I want to work under Klopp rather than Conte. We don't necessarily get those players. And there are some, there are obviously some hits there, but it's like, were they hits where it's like, oh, we didn't know about that. We knew about Van Dyke. We knew about Alisson because we were competing for both of them. So in terms of that, I know a lot of people just want us to discover better players, but in terms of discovery, it's not necessarily there. Obviously, we knew about Salah as well. We just let him go. Um, and it was good of, Michael Edwards, because when Liverpool bought Salah, there was no one competing with him. So that's a big win. But when I looked at the list, and I don't know why Mane wasn't on it, but the names that jumped out to me was Robertson and it was Salah. The rest of them, I wasn't that impressed with. Now, a lot of people say, we need a DOF, we need a director of football and and everything will be sorted. But listen, most directors of footballs get slated. The large majority get slated. And I feel like all these people saying we need a director of football, etc., etc., I wouldn't be surprised if a year, two years down the line, they'll just be the new marina that gets slated week in, week out. But um, in terms of transfer news, which was which was the original uh, question, I don't think I've seen much. What what have you seen this week? Um, me, what's going to be is mainly just been the the lit link, you know, the yeah. res, the res, the resurgence of um, 
what's his name? Um, Kunde, of course. And just the odd like links here and there. It just it just kind of feels like it's been a bit of like a silent low one. You yeah. never know these kind of things because sometimes you just make it just you may just get surprised. Like we may be on the podcast right now, and next thing yeah. you know, Chelsea have signed XYZ. So Lukaku, Lukaku officially went on loan. And I know that Babs the thing is with Babs, and like I don't feel like I have to I feel like you get a lot of time I'm not being serious, so I don't have to kind of you know uh put comfort blankets on when I say stuff at work. But we've got a back and forth um, <laughs> a lot of the times in the chat. And you were saying, I don't think Lukaku is going to leave this summer. And I was like, listen, from my analysis of the situation, Lukaku's going to want out because he's been screaming to want out since probably like November. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Lukaku wants out. Tuchel doesn't like Lukaku either. I remember I said it ages ago because one of my friends um, uh, from the comedy world, he knows Lukaku. And so it came through like really early. They're not getting along. Um, and then obviously Bowley coming in, he wants Chelsea to be successful. Like he's going to want us to be way more successful, not just in last season, but he wants to take us to a whole new level of success. So it wouldn't be good for his first season. It's an underachieving season. So I just saw so many, and obviously Inter as well, there was a will to bring him to uh, Inter Milan as well because they won the Scudetto with Lukaku and they didn't win it <laughs> without him. And obviously, their their enemies, AC Milan, won it for the first time in ages. So now they're going to have to think, OK, how do we stop that happening again? How do we make sure we won? We won it with Lukaku. He was the MVP. And so even though Conte was the manager at that point, there's still going to be... Like, obviously, the new manager doesn't have to win him. But Inzaghi did talk to Lukaku before he left. And they seem to be kind of striking up a good relationship. And yeah, so from my analysis situation, I was like, I think it's going to happen because it's just... So much everybody is aligned in the fact that actually it'll be good if uh Lukaku ends up at Inter. Mm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So uh, are you ready to get back? In, are you ready to get into your team now? I've been trying to delay. This has been delay tactics to <laughs> <laughs> so where do you want to start? Where do you want to start then? Um Let's start. Let's start at the the back end because obviously, like the the juicy bits are at the front. So we'll we'll go start at the back. Yeah, for sure. So obviously, you know, you have Mendy in goal, so you're keeping it uh, the same as last season. Um, yeah. Interesting enough, you've got Trevor Chalobah starting at right centre back. So what 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 are your thoughts there? Because I know there's been a lot of made of um some Chelsea fans thinking he's not good enough to start there. You know, some thinking that he's actually better than Christensen. So. Where, where where do you stand on, on on that situation? Yeah, so the Trevor thing is interesting because I do know that towards the end of the season we've seen mistakes, and I think maybe because the way he started flawless, um, and he brought so much comfort, like that maybe there was a mistake, but it was like once every fifteen games or whatever. It just felt like a lot of people when he came in, and I know that because he was a player that hasn't really been integrated into Chelsea system, he's always been so far away. And, you know, when they say someone's far, you kind of forget about them. Um, maybe people don't even realise that he is not necessarily as young as most academy players. Like, like he's around about Mount's age, so around about 23. But um, since he's come in, um, he kind of take he's taken to the role of right centre-back, um, like a duck to water, like, like a duck to water, given the fact that he played DM last season as well. Um, but so obviously he's come in, played right centre-back, and I think people, sometimes it's so easy to forget the level of quality um, for a large part of the season that he provided. Now, we've seen KDB, Salah, right? 
both of these players up for all of these individual awards this season? Did they have full seasons of consistent, amazing, um, every game, amazing performances? No, they didn't. And I feel like I really want to re-emphasize this point because a lot of these players say, oh, you're consistent. You're not consistent. You're un- inconsistent when you're young and you grow to a point where now you're a world-class player and therefore you're consistent. But the way that I see it is most players are not consistent. Even Eden Hazard, he's be- a lot of his best seasons for us, it hasn't been from the beginning to the end an amazing season. It's been, okay, a large chunk, uh, basically a large chunk, chunk of the season good performances that has made a difference for us. And so when I look at Trevor's performance in the season, I think he's had an insane season. This is his first season in the Premier League and he's come in and Aspie has almost was an afterthought. And don't forget, this is the guy that um, in that right centre-back position because of Trevor Trevor Chalibur a lot. And this is the guy that when Tuchel came in, he wanted to have his captain on the pitch and that right centre-back uh, position was just his. And Trevor Chalabar, who wasn't really even supposed to be part of it, obviously Kunde was the big idea for that position. And even if you look back to our best form, a lot of the time it was Trevor Chalabar, right centre-back, Rudiger, left centre-back, best defensive form, etc., etc. And so I just think for a large part of the season, he was amazing. Yes, in his first season, he wasn't perfect. So kill him, but I was so impressed. And just when, when I look at what he offers in terms of speed, in terms of how comfortable he is in the ball, in terms of obviously he's got the physique for the aerial ability, but also good at shooting. Do you know what I'm saying? Scored headers, um, scored with his feet, threat from corners. Um, the way, especially in the 3 4 3 formation, I think it's so important that our wide centre backs can travel up with the ball because otherwise there's a disconnect in terms of getting the ball from the wide centre-backs to the wing-backs. And obviously that's that's so important for us. And that can, sometimes you can cut off passing lanes. But if the player has the ability to dribble forward as well, it just makes us so much more dynamic. And I just think our best football last season came with Trevor, uh, right centre-back. Now I know that Tuchel kind of lost some faith in, in him. And I think that's okay. Like, do you know what I'm saying? In his first season, he wasn't, nine out of 10 all the way through, but I, I definitely think he was one of our best players. And so for me, I'm happy with Trevor uh, Chalabar, right centre-back. Yeah, fair enough. I can't really, you know, criticise that pick. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the player, you know, another academy boy. So it's always good to see him starting for Chelsea, game in, game out. Obviously, he did have that period where, I personally don't think it even was a down period. I just think it was a period where Tuchel just took him out of the of the team for a while. And I wasn't really sure as to why. Um even with the mistakes part that a lot of fans have been saying, it's similar to what I said last week um, in terms of like attitude to like the academy players versus senior players. Whereby a senior player can have a couple of bad games and it, it won't really be like a thing of like, oh, you know, they're this, this, that, the other. But if it's an academy player, like, oh, they're not they're ready, they're inconsistent, they're too young. It, it becomes all these like different excuses. Whereby no, I, 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 I just don't know what, why there's, there's that difference there. I, I don't think that's true, though. I think we've seen it just in general. So, like, when I remember Tuchel did it with Havertz, a lot of people were like asking, where's Havertz? Where's Havertz? Where's Havertz? And then sometimes people were asking, oh, Tuchel favours Jorginho over Kante. Where's Kante? Where's Kante, even though he's fit? Or... No, no, I'm, I'm also talking about the, the consistency part. Like, when people say that somebody's error-prone, like, I feel like, 
I feel like I don't think Tre- Trevor is as error prone as pe- people were saying. I just think he just had like he, he, one yeah, down period here or there. Yeah, but to be fair, like I remember there was a, he made a couple of errors, and it's like everybody makes errors. But then he brought back and he would make errors again. And so I think I think he did make errors. But then, like you said, other players make errors too. Rudiger's made some errors. Thiago Silva's made some errors. And don't forget, this is his first season in the Premier League. So, I, I, yeah. I, I think sometimes there's a little bit where it was kind of blown out of proportion, but at the same time, I don't want to hide away from the fact that he did make errors, and I think it's fine that Tuchel took him out. I think it's fine. Yeah, definitely. And I'm talking about Thiago Silva, you know, his central centre-back. Do you want to give the listeners an insight into your um, into your choice there? Yeah, so I've got Koulibaly. I haven't got uh, Thiago Silva. Um, and so, um, again, this is just our 11, so I don't even necessarily want to focus too much on the Supporting cast, um, and I don't. What 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 I focus on that? Well, I just want to get into why why you you don't trust Thiago Silva anymore. I don't trust Thiago Silva. I trust Thiago. <laughs> I trust Thiago Silva the, the most, but at the same time, um, another year thirty eight. I don't want to have to rely on Thiago Silva, so I want another option there. Obviously, if he's fine, that's cool. But with Thiago Silva, um, he's got a one year contract. Again, it's just like last year. We just don't know. It's almost like I'm waiting to see. I don't want to preempt that he's going to just, you know, fall off a cliff. But um, I, I think at this age, every single season, you have to go in thinking, okay, then it might be the year where, you know, he slows down. And so I think at this age, it makes sense to have someone there just in case uh, everything goes to pop for Thiago Silva because he's been so important for us. And so, yeah, with Thiago Silva, again, I think he was he was my player of the season. And I was happy he got a new contract. Everyone's saying move on, all that. I think it's garbage. Um, I actually went into transition to the coaching team as well. So, Thiago Silva, nothing beloved for Thiago Silva. But I don't have him as my middle centre-back. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'm not sure about the, the coaching part, but, you know, I, I, I think, guess that's a conversation for another day. No, I think... I think um, you can see it. So he's got, I think his. Hey, I, I personally, I personally can't see it, but. Yeah, you know, no, no. I, I guess, I guess, I, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe you're in the back room, Dan. Maybe I'm not. I don't know, man. Maybe, no, maybe no, no. What I say you, I'm also, there's three people here. There's the audience. Too. <laughs> and so like, some of you can see it. But what I'm saying with Thiago Silva, um, just the dedication off the pitch to football. I feel like a lot of time with expertise, it's about, okay, how much time are you willing to put into it? And do you have the passion for it? And he has that passion for it. He's obviously got the background in football, but that's like something that most footballers have. But he has the passion to learn. But also, one of the reasons why I said I would like to, I'd like him to transition into coaching is that I feel like another way where you can kind of expedite the process into becoming or expedite the process to become a top coach is if you work with another top coach. And so you can see how it's done. And obviously, I believe Tuchel's a top coach. So I, I think it'll be great for him to spend some time in a coaching team with Tuchel, not as a player, so it's transitioning to be that coaching team. And I think that'll be a good first step. And then leave Tuchel, go to somewhere, do youth football, whatever. But I think I can see a good progression for him into the managerial thing. We'll see. Babs, we'll see. Well, it's one of the, we need the Excel document to kind of, you know, document <laughs> our jobs. We've got a lot of these things that we disagree on and I like to follow them, but we'll see. We'll add that to the doc. To be honest, most than not, I don't really disagree. I just like pulling your leg and seeing what, what you're. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Fuck all that shit, man. I'm sorry to swear. <laughs> that's I'm not even gonna have conversations with you. 
you. In fact, put over. <laughs> oh man, t- talking about over, obviously, you know, Rudiger did leave, leaving a massive yes. gap in the left centre back position. So, who have you gone with over there to replace that? Um, not just his ability, but his character on off the pitch. So, for, we haven't co- covered the sweeper position, but I can go to the left centre back position. And I've got uh, Gator for sorry, I keep on saying Gator for final. Gator for final is the first for final that I knew of, and he was supposed to be. Like a DM player, G U E I D A, check him out. Gator Fofana, but this is obviously Wesley Fofana. Um, so Fofana for Leicester, I wanted him um, before he went to Leicester, Saint Etienne. Um, yeah, I scouted him ages ago. I wanted him then. He's going to be expensive now. Um, I wouldn't have put him in because I was thinking it's not feasible, but I've seen some links, and that's all that you know when you just get a little bit of hope. So I'm like, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. And I think with um, Fofana, he's mad aggressive, like a Rudiger. Um, in terms of, do you know, like sometimes, sometimes I see defenders and they like to give players space, or they're just like maybe Van Dijk, maybe Van Delegate. But you know, like when they like to mark the space, space rather than actually closing down and actually trying to win the ball. And I think Fofana's an aggressive player like that. He'll, he's got the pace and he's front got the yeah, front foot. He's got the ability to do it. Again, like I said in the last pod, aerially, he's underrated. Really good aerially. But obviously, just on the ball as well. He's really good on the ball as well. And I think the the kind of throughput of this team is I'm trying to build a team that is good on the ball. And obviously, look, I can't do it all in one. You can't do it all in one summer. It's not feasible. We want to keep it feasible as well. So obviously, the more changes probably need to be made. But I want us to kind of focus on, even if you're a defender, you're good on the ball. Of course, if you're an attacker, which... I say, of course, but we haven't been doing it. Of course, then you have to be good in your all-round game as well. So, like, I think Fofana, not just as defensively, but as a football player, he's he's, he's really good. Yeah, I can't argue with that. But then, you know, we, we, we look at this. So, obviously, Koulibaly, he's been mm-hmm. linked to us at 40 million. Um, mm-hmm. Fofana, allegedly, is 60 to 70 million. So, that's that's really 110 million, Dan, spent there in your, at centre-back. Why did you get... That's a you... lot of money. How did you add that up? What did you say? What, 110 million, huh? But, so, t- from from what I've heard anyway, could have barely 30 million. For, uh, I'm seeing 40 million, and I've seen 70 okay. million from Fofana. Well, yeah, but we, we still can make sales anyway. So, apparently, we've got 200 million, right? Plus, we're going to make player sales. So, it's fine. We can do that additions up before. I didn't, I didn't do the maths with you. But if you want to bring that maths element in, it's cool. We'll figure out how feasible. <laughs> okay, hey, I mean, we'll you, know, you, you didn't mention this about feasibility. I'm just, I'm just reminding you. I'm we'll not, do, I'm, we'll, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not trying to fight. I'm just trying to, just trying to remind we'll you. Do the where, running, where we'll do it's a hundred million. If you want me to balance at the end, I'll come up with some fake out of the air <laughs> of the players that we can sell. And then we say just, just find a random guy from Cobham to sell. No, 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 no. We've got players to sell. We don't need to go to Cobham. We've got players to sell. But um, yeah, so that's my my back three would be obviously we got Mendy, uh, we got a Doctor Uma back 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 position. <laughs> Not that I'm putting all these players at the back because of that, but we got we got Mendy. <laughs> oh, this is the the Rosa oh Parks days, the Rosa Parks eleven. We got Mendy at the back, then we got Trevor Wright in the back. We got Koulibaly, and he's so good on the ball. He's so good. Look, Barcelona are chasing him because the game that they played against him. They saw how marvellous he was. And it's like, he can play left centre-back too. 
Because really and truly, when he plays in that back four, I think he's the left centre-back in the back four anyway. And he likes to travel up the pitch. So I feel like the same way we see Rudiger travelling up the pitch, he's an option there as well. So if Thiago Silva comes in, it means that, you know, like it could be Thiago Silva, Fana and Koulibaly. It could be, do you know what I'm saying? I feel like that's a good mix. But obviously, they want to bring in the area. I mean, the lit. Um, uh, but yeah, so I feel like I'm going with uh, that back four. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. I can't. I can't exactly fold that. You know, I, I, I like it. I like the look of it. I, personally, I'd be a big fan of it if I was to see it, and I would. I would trust this back three personally. So um, cool. yeah. So let's start with um, left wing back. So you you made an interesting decision here, um, Dan. So what listeners through it? I've I've made this decision, and I'll be honest because I just don't like to lie. So I can't say that I'm a, an expert on this player. I can't say that I've scouted him early. I've known about him for ages, but you know, sometimes you can know about a player without actually watching them much. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I've picked Ike Nori from Wolves. And part of it, feasibility passes the test in terms of at least we've been linked. All of the players, there has to be at least, a, you know, a link there. Um, but also, I think one of the things that I've been harping on about is that I need one of our wing-backs to be really, really good at dribbling. Really, like, a good one-on-one player. Like, good enough that you could just probably be an attacker. Because I feel like a lot of the times, the ball comes to our wing-backs. Um, I feel like they're the out-ball a lot in terms of us transitioning. And we've seen it with Alonso. It's so annoying because he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the facilities a lot of the times to take the ball forward. And um, Reese James... On the on the on the kind of right side for us, he's had way more than SP in terms of ability to take the ball forward. But just I, he's still not like a true one-on-one player. And I think whereas a lot of people are saying let's get Dembele and let's get all these players because we've missed that one-on-one element, I understand it and I'm for it. But I think the most important place where we need one-on-one ability in our in our team in this formation is the wing backs. The whole reason why wingers. Uh, were the ones where actually the, the best dribblers went to the wing position, usually in a 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, is because they're the wide men. They're the guys that you're, you're touchline wingers, right? For us, our wingers, our wide men, and the reason why everyone's like, oh, look, our, our, your wing backs are scoring, all your defence are scoring, it's because, look, they're part of our attack. The two-call system of 5-5 five, five, the back three and the double pivot, they are supposed to be that base that lets even our wing backs be attackers. Now, if our wing that be, these guys are the guys on the wing, uh, your wing backs, and they, I don't, I don't think most of our wing backs. I think they're calm, but I think they're full back calm in terms of taking people on. I think we need someone, at least one of the wing backs on the team, to be able to be. To be able to take the ball past people with ease, I, I, this is and so from the players that we're linked with, I'd like I like Ike Nuri the best in terms of the one-on-one ability, and I think that what that does it just opens up the game for us. It opens up the game because essentially you want your your, your twin tens to be in the box to be shooting, because obviously Chelsea we love to cross the ball in, but if our number tens are out wide crossing the ball in, then they're crossing the ball into like maybe one or two players. But if it's the wing-backs doing it and our number 10s and our striker are in the box, now we can overload. 
And so where a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, let's get these one-on-one wingers as the number 10s, yeah, then what, what, who are they going to be crossing the ball into? So our wing-backs are part of our attack and they're the wide players and they're the ones that I'm going to be looking to cross the ball in more than our number 10s, which is why I need at least one of them to be adept one-on-one. And that's why I've got Ait Nori there. We look at the 3-4-3 we had with Conte, which worked a lot better attacking-wise than this one. And people are going to say so lazily, oh, yes, because we had Hazard. But it's not just that. We had, and obviously when it happened, when um, Conte took over, and then all of a sudden everybody started saying, wait, Moses isn't going on loan. He's going to actually use Moses. And they're like, how is this going to work out? It's because Moses had the capability. Like, he might not be the best in terms of delivering the ball or whatever, but it was so important. Moses was so important in terms of being that one-on-one winger for us that could take people on. Um, and that's why it didn't feel like... I mean, if we had Alonso and Aspi, we'd be complaining the same way in the Conte time that we are today. But at least one of our wing-backs was good on one-on-one. And I feel like, like really aggressive one-on-one. And I feel like that's what we're missing in terms of our wing-backs. So I think Reese James is good in terms of the slow dribble and the... Uh, kind of coming inside and the underlap type of stuff. I just want someone that can just rip on the outside. And that's why I put I Nori there. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I, I did see he's been linked to us as well as Man City for 45 million. So it seems that it seems like an interesting link potentially. Um but yeah let's 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 see how that one plays out. So do, oh. do you think he's a player that could potentially uh, replace Chilwell in the long term? Um see with the Chilwell thing I think it's fine for both of them. I think it's fine for both of them. I think Chiwell integrated in the squads so much and I feel like he is a really good striker of the ball. Um, and so this is not a type of thing where it's like, I don't want to see Chiwell again, etc. But I just think both of them can use, both of them can be used. Um, I think there's enough games. Um, and and it, it might be a thing where, because they're both young, one of them decides, actually, you know what, I want to play more regular and one of them goes. But I think for a while we can use both of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. But the, uh, okay, do you know what? So let's... The tab is running up, though. The tab is now. The tab is now 140 million. Boy, it's more than that. It's more than that, Dan. It's like 150 mil right now, Dan. You know, it's, it's looking. Okay, it's still, looking... that's still within budget. That's still within yeah, budget. Hey, it's within budget. It's within budget. But let's let's see what happens by the end of this. Okay, let's see what happens by the end of this. So cool, cool. let's go to the other side. You know, obviously, Reese James. That's an easy one there. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that one needs much explaining. Mm-hmm. And then midfield, interesting. So you've me. gone with pardon. People are going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone with Jorginho and Kovacic. Jorginho and Kovacic, the much maligned duo, the pairing that you know people don't even like to call them that. People like to call them number five or they were a J five five. And to be fair, Kovacic is way more respected now. But you know, people have slated these two and. They're the worst. They're the reason why we're not winning. And we've built the team around Jorginho for three or four seasons and we haven't won the league. Therefore, Jorginho is the issue and we need to move on. And and to be fair, I don't mind if Jorginho leaves the season. Um, obviously, you've seen I've spent a lot of money already. <laughs> so it's not just easy to just change the whole team. But I've put Jorginho and Kovacic here. Number one, just because as we've seen this season, um, not I don't really like too many of the other players as the anchor. And so if I was to put another player there, it'd probably be someone that we'd buy. Um, Loftus-Cheek, I actually like, com- compared to other people, I like Loftus-Cheek as an anchor. 
I just don't see him as our starting anchor. So I just don't see that as a feasible thing. I don't think. I think he'll be a utility man if he does stay, and I hope he does stay. Um, but in terms of us buying an anchor, I'd want us to get someone that can really. Like, you had Tonali in your team, and. Again, I can't say I've watched him thoroughly. But you're you're talking not about buying, Dan. Where you're supposed to be, you know, defending your your, your selection here. Let me finish. Let me finish. Um, with Tonali, and this is what I'm saying with Tonali, because Jorginho, when it comes down to it, he is getting older. His contract is running out. So you do have to think: is this the right time to move and not move him on? But then I also have to think: okay, cool. What what do I personally think? is working in terms of our departments more than other departments. And there is a raging debate all over social media. People think it's just the midfield or people think the midfield's the biggest issue. Some people think that attack is the biggest um, issue. Some people think, I don't think most people think the defence is the biggest issue, but the fact that there's a lot of movement in defence, people leaving, now even the defence needs to be worked on. So for me, I think if there's if there's any issues in terms of priority, priority I'd work on the attack. So obviously the defence, because we just left, left, we've lost so many numbers. So I think the defence probably needs the most money. And then I think the attack. And then the wing-backs. And then the midfield. So for me, Jorginho Kovacic, I think they've been the, the mainstay of the midfield. Kante's been too injury-prone. And so I would keep it like that. Um, yeah, I'd keep it like that. I'd, I'd keep Jorginho Kovacic. I've always liked... There's not. It hasn't been a difficult relationship with... with with other people, it's been up and down, up and down. But I've always seen what both of them offered. Um, and I'm, I'm fine to continue with those two. Interesting. Interesting. So you, you do mention them injury prone there. And um, obviously last week, you did them admit that, you know, you've seen that Coventry has been a lot more injury prone of reason. So is that, well, is that a problem? I don't think... Is that a problem for but let, but let me finish. Let me finish. And not just that, but, you know, if you look again at last season... um. I do believe Kante did play more minutes than um Kovacic, so yeah, but don't interesting one. This, this is just the first eleven, so it's not like we have to play with this first eleven all the way through. But I think with Kovacic, actually, I don't think it's a new thing. I think obviously the first season when he was here, it wasn't forced, but he shared the position with Barkley, so he didn't play, you know, most of the games. And then since then, there's been a period of the season where he's been out um, with injury, but it hasn't. Like he's still been an amazing player for us, and so like Kovacic there, even if he has a, a, a injury next season, then there'll be players to deputise. You know what? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So Jorginho and Kovacic, the interesting midfield choice. So let's let's see how that potentially works. So let's get into the interesting part now. So the attack. Yeah, I feel like this is where. A lot of um, people have, you know, I feel like you've put this out already into the open. A lot of people it's have been, already. yeah, a lot of people have been, have been, you know, g- g- going back and forth with you about this. So um, yeah. let's not go with the new guy first, but let's let's start off the right hand side. So Mal, mm-hmm. so talk talk me through and um, putting Mal on the right hand side. Yeah, I got criticised by BCT, <laughs> and it was like Mount over Pulisic, and I'm like, boy, just drop the shit, man. Just drop it with Pulisic. Pulisic. Um, so I saw today that they, they even might want to use him as a bargaining tool for uh, the lit. But with Pulisic, I'm, I'm not in either camp in terms of people that hate him or that people that love him. I think even this season, he didn't really play that many games, but 
the amount of I think he was our most potent player, goal scoring wise. And there, listen, don't get it twisted. There's some games where I was watching previous where I was like, it's horrible, just horrible. Um, but again, I appreciate the games where he has he is the difference maker. Um, so I still think that there's a player there for someone, but like this is someone that wants to play consistently. And if I look at Pudisic, would I want him to be a consistent player for us next season um, and bank it on him? And the answer is no. The answer is no. I think we can upgrade. And so um, even though Pudisic, look, Pudisic, most people see him as a left option, but I'm just saying someone said Mount over Pudisic. I'm like, yeah, Mount over Pudisic, because let's, number one, let's not get twisted. Let's, this is a realistic level. <laughs> Mount, unless he's injured, is realistically going to be a first-team player. Even if you don't rate him, like, you have to be a realistic. And I also think we have to build a attack around Mount. Now, when I say have to, it's a bit strong. But the reason why I feel like we're almost like stuck doing it. So like even if Mount wasn't a good player, at this point, it, felt like, it feels like we're stuck. The reason why is because when it comes down to you can't ignore the fact his relationship with the fan base, with a lot of the fan base. So, like, even if a bid comes in for us to, like, sell Mount and then get, I don't know, whoever people want, Dembele, et cetera, et cetera, like, you can't just throw away that connection that he's got with the fans. I'm sorry. Um, he's built a connection with the fans, and so he's important to the team. But he's also clearly important to the manager. Tuchel rates him, and Tuchel's been picking him, and so he's going to play now. The way that I'm putting this um, team together, I can't just dismiss that. But also, you just have to give him credit for the fact that he got double, what was it, double figure goals and assists in a season. Like, yes, he had the most um, consistency to do it. Or, and yes, to be fair, he did score a hat trick, etc. So I feel like even though he got double digits, it's like, I feel like it's still probably a similar amount of games scored in. But there were a lot of games where he would get a goal and an assist. Um, and people are going to talk about, oh, it's against lower opposition. Well, I always say this. If it's that easy against lower opposition, then everybody should be doing it. Um, for me personally, I like to stick to kind of the realism. And to be fair, I think Mount shooting is important too. Like It can get better, but I feel like we miss, we miss a lot of people in attack that have a little bit of greed about them, want to be the guy that, to score the goal. And I look around and obviously Kane is that player and Salah is that player. Now, Mount is that player for us, but he doesn't have the numbers of the other guys that are like that. But again, he's still at the beginning of his career. So for me, there's hope that hopefully the numbers can continue to come. The numbers can continue to come. But I feel like it just makes sense to build around Mount. And the reason why it makes sense to build around Mount is because we just have to be a realistic. Last couple of since he's come back from loan, he's been that has played the most. So when I'm thinking about an attack, I have to think about, okay, this player is definitely going to play, it looks like. So how do we then build around that and make it work? Interesting. Interesting. It kind of sounds like you're, you're saying you're putting him in in spite of his ability, but... Not in spite of his ability. It's, 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 it's part of it is realism. Because when it comes down to it, can we improve on Mount? Yes, we can. I believe we can. But at the same time, it's like... There's so many players, again, that you can bring in and say, OK, they're going to improve amount, But are they really going to do it? Do you know what I'm saying? So 
we can, but number one, I don't necessarily trust us to to do that. But also, like the connection, I just thought it's there's some players, even with Lampard. Once you've built that connection and they're doing their job, then they're in. Like they're just in. But to be fair, it's even with like Trevor Chalabar. Again, for me, it's like people are talking about Kunde, but for me, he's doing his job to a high level. So he's not a position that I'm looking to replace. And I think with Mount. He's doing. He's done his job to a high level last season. I don't think anyone can really say that. I like a lot of these haters. If Pulisic had those numbers that Mount had, um, goals and assists, then they'll be bragging on it. If Hudson Odoi had those numbers that Mount had, they'd be bragging on it. And he's got. He, I think he he had better numbers than Kai too. So yeah. So I feel like he like again. It's not just favoritism and it's not just in spite. He's earned that place. And I'm just feel like. Everyone that is trying to kind of shoehorn him out, I just feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe if next season he he has a bad season, but I, from the back of that season, you can't you can't take him out. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. And I'm speaking of um, a certain somebody. So who do you have up top? Yeah, so I've got Kai up top, and I don't know. I think maybe I've done a couple of these, and so I I don't believe in Kai as a striker, even though I've got him up top. I don't necessarily believe in him too tough um, because of what I've said before. He likes to come deep. Um, he likes to be part of the game. And so even, like, I feel like because of that stint in Germany and that those last seven games in lockdown where everybody's watching him, people kind of, they're doing what they did with Eden where they keep on projecting, oh, yeah, he's going to get 30 goals and all this type of stuff. For me, I feel like one in two is aspirational. Like, uh, I, you'd hope, I, I like for me, I'd put him down as at the if he had an amazing season, then you'd probably get one and two. And I don't necessarily think one and two is the best for your main goal scorer. And so, one of the reasons why I've got Kai here is, is you've seen already, I've spent a lot of money <laughs> already, so it's not just easy to replace. But I think that away from the goals, um, Kai does a lot for us. Um, and so I, I'll talk about the supporting cast that I've got, but I, I really do believe in Brozier as well. And I, when I, whenever I build my t- attack, I have to speak to myself and I have to tell myself, I don't think it's important. I don't think you should build attack where players has to have to have their best season ever in terms of how potent they are for the attack to make sense. And so putting this attack together, I don't think, um, I think Kai, the most he's got is something like 12. Um, and that's in um, 12, that was in, uh, and I'm talking about non-penalty goals, I think that was in Germany. I think this season, I'm not sure if you know the, st- the stats, Babs, he got eight goals in how many starts? Um, not sure how many starts. Probably about 20 starts, 22 starts or whatever. Yeah, I think it was like, I think it was 22, yeah. Yeah, so eight goals in 22 starts. So really and truly, I'd, I'd expect him to get like, more like Firmino numbers, like 11, 12. Um, uh, but I think his overall game will help us as well. And so essentially when I'm putting together a team, I'm looking to get about 20 goals, sorry, 40 goals between, to be fair, at the elite level. So once once you're elite, once you've really sort of attack, I think you should be getting 45, around 45 goals. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to build... Um, and a young attack because we saw when we brought in Lukaku like I think we did this with Torres and I hated it because at that point um, 
They wanted the golden new attack. We were linked with Neymar. It was it was horrible. It's tw- it 2011. And they were trying to build a new attack because Drogba and Nelka Maluda was old. We had Sturridge and we bought him. Um, and then they wanted to buy Neymar too. But then also their idea at the time, they thought it was Neymar, Torres and Sturridge. So Neymar left, Sturridge right, and then Torres through the middle. And the idea was they bought Torres seeing him as the experienced guy because Neymar and Sturridge was young and they was like, oh, you need an experienced guy. I'm like, you don't. I'm sorry. I, I feel like with Lukaku as well, they looked around and said, oh, Chelsea's got a lot of young attackers. They just need someone experienced that can do the job and that's ready and that has, you know what I'm saying, proven. They love that word, proven. And so they bought in the, the proven Torres and he flopped. Just like we bought in the proven Werner, flopped. Bought in the proven Lukaku, flopped. And then the last striker that we had before Werner was, was Tammy. He wasn't proven at all, not at a top level. He scored five goals for Swansea. And what, what did he do? He did well. He didn't do great, but he did better than these guys. So this whole, like, oh, we need someone that's experienced. That shit hasn't worked for us. I'm sorry. And so when I look at even, like, Ferguson. Ferguson got rid of Van Nistelrooy and said, no, I'm going to rock with the young ones. I'm going to build attack with Cristiano and Rooney. Then brought in Tevez, another young one. Like, and that was fine. And look, Cristiano needed time to develop into a goal scorer. Rooney as well, again, not wasn't necessarily a goal scorer, but one of the things with Chelsea, and we keep on doing it over and over again, we, because you have, the, we have the money, we shit our pants, and then we just look for numbers, and we try to bring in numbers, but numbers don't translate. Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't a goal scorer like that. Rooney wasn't a goal scorer like that. Even Tevez, to be fair, Tevez got goals. At, like, don't forget, they bought him from West Ham. And I followed him at Corinthians and Boca. And he wasn't like uh, a hot, hot goal scorer. So he would score goals, he wasn't a hot, hot goal scorer. But really and truly, what they did was they, they bought good players. Number one, they bought good players. Good young players that can vibe off each other. And they came together and they created something special. Um, Robin Duff, good younger players like Drogba. He didn't have that much, he wasn't proven like that. He had one good season, he had one good season, and like even his goals wasn't like, like if we if we if we worked today the way we did, um, if we worked back then the way we did today, and people just went to look at goals and try to translate the goals, we'd be finished like. When we bought Kesman, we bought him off of the goals. He was the one that scored massive goals. Drop a goal, that's something like 15 goals in my He wasn't like, I think Digital Caesar scored more than him um, in France that year. And I feel like so many times people now just go to FBF because it's easily accessible, filter goals and think, oh yeah, Werner, bring him in. He'll score them goals, etc., etc. I'm not saying ignore because we need shooters, but I'm just saying it, this, it doesn't work like that. And I feel like one of the reasons why Chelsea have been playing himself and like, why can't Chelsea get another striker? Like with Torres, like when you was watching him, he wasn't playing well. Like, and Liverpool fans will tell you that he wasn't playing well. I'm sorry. He wasn't playing well, but they was just blinded by proven goals. Same with Shevchenko. Shevchenko, I, I was a Milan fan. Shevchenko was in his last legs. The only reason why Shev- Shevchenko scored four goals the season before he bought him in the Champions League. And the only reason why he scored them four goals is because Shevchenko like Perlo, Sadov, Kaka, all of them guys, they know Shevchenko. They've been playing with him for a long time. And Shevchenko knew all those players. So he knew the right way to be. He didn't have the physicality anymore. 
Like he was struggling. I was watching those Milan games thinking Shevchenko's done. And then we go and buy and I'm like, what? And to be fair, at the time I wanted Tevez, again, it wasn't about what they've done before, proving experience and goals. And I feel like we're too in the weeds with stats. Like, and I love stats, but it really depends on how you use them. And I think where we've gone off the beating track is we're not looking for who are the best players. We've never, we'll never kind of like, when I look at City um, last season, maybe they didn't have an outright goal scorer, but all of their attacking players were really, really good at football. And so what I'm trying to do is bring it back to that, where I look at attack and all of them are good at football. When we played, there was a there was a part of the season when Lukaku and Werner was out. They were out. And we were playing lineups like Havertz, Mount, Hudson, Doe. And that was some of the best football I've seen this season. All of them, good on the ball. All of them, like, young, vibrant. Um, and that's what I want a bit more of. That's what I want a bit more of. So that's that's where I've gone with. That's what I've gone with. And I think Kai, again, you can't ignore what Tuchel wants in his attack. And I think it was such a big L for Tuchel because you know your system, you know what you prioritise. Um, and Lukaku didn't even, like, he didn't even fit what Tuchel usually says he wants in terms of running about. Now I'm seeing names like Richarlison. And yes, he does run about and all that type of stuff. But how good a player is Richarlison? And I, that's what I... I don't want us to swing from, oh, because we got Lukaku, let's just sort out by getting someone that runs around. No, like, when it comes down to we need to get really, really good players as well. The problem with a Richarlison is, for me, the same thing with when we signed Werner, we signed Ziyech, we signed all these guys. It's like, when I look at these players, I'm thinking, this, they're way too easy to improve on. They're way too easy to improve on. I'm going to be jealous of... Most of the other big clubs, because they're going to have a better player than Richarlison. Um, and and Richarlison, listen, Richarlison can do well because I feel like he fits Tuchel's kind of, um, you know, running around and doing that. But Havertz does that too. So, yeah, so I, I've gone with Kai. I would rather you stick with Kai rather than buy Richarlison. Mm, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to argue that. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of him. You know, I'm never going to say I'm not a fan of him at all. You know, Richarlison. I, I don't want to see that guy at my club. He's just not. It's just not the type of football I I, I appreciate watching. And yeah, he's just not something I want. I want to see that. It will be my worst nightmare having to watch him and Werner go together. I, 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 don't, I, I really don't want I, to see I, that man. I think. I think Werner again. We'll see, but I think Werner might be out. So hopefully, hopefully, man, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. It, it really depends um, if we can move him, but I feel like there's a world for him to go. And then also what I'd just say is Brozier. I really believe in Brozier as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's starting 11s, Dan. It's starting huh? 11s. I don't see Brozier in your starting 11. Yeah, yeah, it's starting 11s, which is fine. But what I'm just, this isn't about, the, it's not even about 11. I'm just saying that I don't get when we're linked with Richarlison. Um, and they're saying that, yeah, he fits two percent. Broja fits, Broja fits. So I just don't understand why you'd sell a Broja and bring in Richarlison. It don't make no fucking sense. And I really believe in Broja. I think it will be so stupid if Chelsea sell him. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely do agree. I, I don't, I don't think it makes sense to sell him and buy Richarlison. But at all, if he if he wants to go and be a starter, I can't really hold it against him. But I guess I can. Well, I, I can because I, not necessarily against him, but I think Chelsea. If we were start, if we were to start last season again, and um, we're towards the end of the season, but we have the hindsight of what happened this season, I'm pretty sure they're going to say, 
okay, let, let us not buy Lukaku and let's let's just use Brozier. Because obviously Lukaku came in late. They'd probably say, let's just go with Brozier and Kai, right? So then, if, from what you've seen of Brozier and Loan, you'd be happy to say, enough, okay, let's just go with Brozier and Kai. Then why, again, would you do something this season where you're like, actually, let's let Brozier go? Because when it comes down to it, anyone that's new can flop again. Or they could come in and they could get injured again. So I just don't understand why... Um, I don't understand this kind of whole loaning or selling. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So, obviously, you know, we've gone through the ten of players. You have got Mendy, just to remind you, the listeners, we've got mm-hmm. Mendy, Trevor Chalaba, Koulibaly, Fafana, mm-hmm. Reese James, Jorginho, Kovacic, Ait Nuri, Mount, and Kai Havertz. So, Dan, who makes up your 11th man? Final man, Jao Felix, left centre forward, Jao Felix. Interesting, interesting. So obviously, you know, we're already up to like 141, 50 million. So talk to me why Jao Felix is unfeasible and why you think he's the man to take our attack to the next level. So to first and foremost, the interesting thing is, I know that we signed Havertz under Lampard, but we were linked with him first when Eden was leaving. He was one of the people that was earmarked for the Eden replacement. Um... And you can see why. I'm sure now you can see why. This was way back in 2000, was it 18 or whatever? Or was it 2019-20? So, like, yeah. So, like, it was 2018 to 19 because we already knew that Eden was going to be leaving. And so we were scouting some young talents. And allegedly, at the time, we were looking for someone that could replace that. So, actually, Havertz was one of the reasons once one of the reasons why we started to scout Havertz. Um, he was seen because they really wanted to get a young phenom like we did when we bought Eden. And Zhao Felix was, from the, the rumours anyway, top of the list. Now, the thing is, the issue that season was Zhao Felix then just had an amazing season, went on to score 19 goals, but also shined in the Europa. And so everybody was interested in him. Now, obviously, he went in an inflated move. I couldn't believe how much Alejo spent um, on him. And he went to Atletico Madrid. And a lot of people say it would be, be a bad move because of Simeone. But to be fair, like, sometimes... Whereas some people kind of think it's good that like sometimes players move to like a city straight away and if it goes well for them, sometimes adversity is good, especially for talented young players because when you look at like um, a Neymar, for instance, and Neymar did have, he spent a lot of time in Brazil, even though we were linked with him in 2011, like I said. Um, he spent longer there and I think it's good. Sometimes I feel like getting to the top too quickly is bad. Uh, for young talents, and I think adversity is good as well, because that's where you grow even more. And so, whereas a lot of people saw the move to Atletico, it's like, oh, it's going to be hard for him, it's going to be difficult, etc., etc. Yes, you've gone from someone that won the Golden Ball to now people are even questioning if you're good. But um, a lot of the time, you get growth in those areas. And I think um, going from the Portuguese league to the Spanish league, working under a manager that's going to demand a hell of a lot from you, like Simeone, um, maybe doesn't work out amazing at Atletico, but I think that kind of helps because, again, sometimes when you have a player that's already supposed to be amazing, etc., they don't have that chip on their shoulder where they've got something to prove. Uh, so, Jao Felix has been at Atletico Madrid, and what people like to do, again, because they like to go to these sites and just look at the total numbers and then just pretend like they've watched the performances and so they know everything. And they're looking at him, oh, he hasn't scored double figures and all this type of stuff, and therefore... 
he's not as good as people make out. But he hasn't really started that many games um, that you'd expect for this amount of a sign-in, this how expensive it was. Season to season, he hasn't started that many games. But he has produced, I'd say, especially in the, the uh, recent season. Um, he's He's actually, for the time he's been on the pitch, he's been potent. But again, like I don't necessarily want to focus on what the stats is because I feel like you can get played by the stats. What I'd say about Jao Felix, and I was interested, I think I knew him early, like even before the hype. Um, the way his shots, he like he's got a hard shot on him. For like for someone that was so small, when I'm thinking now back to when he's at Benfica, I couldn't believe how like much power he could get in his shots. And I think one of the things we've missed when I look at our team now, it's like who is really like someone that can take power shots um, that like that are dangerous. Because when I look at it, I'm thinking, like, Ziyech is too much of a volume shooter. Like, they go everywhere. Do you know what I'm saying? One of them is amazing, but generally they go everywhere. And then Mount, I feel like with Mount, he's the closest we have to someone that kind of shoots from range with a bit of power. But it's still kind of more kind of volume. It's not, but I feel like Jao Felix, like, his shots, obviously not all of them, because some could go flying, but I feel like he's got good shots from range. Um, and I like that about him. But then I like the ingenuity. And I've been saying this over and over again. Like, this isn't necessarily assists. It's not key passes. This is about doing a moment of magic, maybe a nutmeg, maybe a flick, maybe a turn that just causes everything to go in disarray. Um, and like, there's not that many players that have that. And this is one of the reasons why he was identified like as an Eden Hazard replacement. He's got that magic. When people talk about, oh, the game's too robo- robotic, it's because when you watch the game, if, you know when you watch the game, it was like, pass there, and then the player passes there. That's not... If if the player's going to do exactly what I thought that should happen, that's not ingenuity. You know, Everybody's going to expect the ball to go there. Whereas Ajao Felix, again, he's got so much trickery, and I feel like that kind of brings the game into disarray. So... When I looked at the Chelsea team and I say what's missing, I believe we miss um, someone that more people are shooters and Jao Felix is a shooter. Um, I believe we miss, again, someone with that ingenuity that I talked about. But I also believe we miss like an attacking playmaker type. Someone where when we had Eden, it's like, get the ball to Eden. He's going to make something happen. And I think Jao Felix can be like that for us as well. Um, but also, when we bought Kai Havertz, I was the one banging on about, and I know people talked about ZH being that guy. I was like, listen, if we buy Kai, <laughs> like we need to buy an attacking playmaker. We need to have an attacker. Because I, I was saying currently, Barkley's the only one. And I got tarnished with it so many times. And it was like, oh, you believe in Barkley? Well, Havertz is going to come in and be that. I'm like, you don't understand the player that Havertz is. He's not that player. Havertz, he had his best season when Brandt was there and Brandt was a little bit deeper and Brandt had the ingenuity and then Kai could maximise off of that ingenuity because then he knows how to fill in the gaps when a Brandt draws players to him. He notices that space and goes into it. And I just felt like when it comes down to it, do we have the player to kind of create those spaces for Kai to run into? But also, um, and to be fair, sometimes Werner did it just by pure energy. But also, do we have that player that is able to find these runs? 
And I was like, really, truly, Barkley would probably be important for us to have. Now, Barkley didn't play that many times with Havertz, but we've seen it even last season. Barkley is probably the best player in terms of vision, ingenuity and execution that we had. And he barely played. So I feel like Jao Felix is someone with vision, ingenuity and execution. But he's also someone that obviously, hopefully, if he comes, can play a lot. He's someone that will score goals. He's someone that will create ingenuity. And, and I think just the link up between the players will be good too. So, yeah, I I, I think really intrigued. I know he's linked with City, but I think that's sickening. The idea of them having Foden, Felix and everything they've already got together, I think is a sickening thing. And I know we're linked with Sterling and I like Sterling. Um, I've, I've always liked Sterling, but I've always not wanted him at Chelsea. <laughs> I've always not wanted him at Chelsea. But I feel like, even with Sterling, I've probably done him disrespect throughout his career. I remember I saw I'm, I'm quite old. I saw Sterling when he was coming through. Like I think I heard him at when it's like 13 to 15 or whatever. Um, and I could see that ability then because you see him as a young guy just getting the ball with his acceleration and then even like finishing. I know people thought he grew into a goal scorer, but even at Liverpool, he scored goals. But I'm talking about even before that. It, this is when he was at, uh, where was he at? The London club he was at or whatever. Um, I didn't watch him. Say again? QPR. QPR, yeah. So yeah, but I didn't watch him for QPR, but he, he played some games for England. Um, and I just thought, you know what? The reason why he's scoring these goals is because it's youth level. And I was thinking, that's not going to translate. And then... He started to play for Liverpool and then it translated. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's because of Sturridge and, and Suarez. That's not going to translate. And then he goes to City and then he scored, and he scored even more goals. And it's not necessarily just the, using the pace, etc. He's actually knowing where to be at the right time, poacher goals. And I'm thinking, oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's pep tax. But then you watch him for England and he's just scoring those goals too. So, like, whereas a lot of people say, oh, it's, like, pair because it's this, I've, I'm done with the, the excuses. Like, I feel like Sterling I just deserves good rep. But, again, when I feel like Sterling, um, I think the Sterling buy would be us trying to buy goals again. And I think it's so dangerous trying to translate goals. But to be fair, like I just said, it has kind of translated across the different teams. But I think more than anything, um, as we've seen when I've mentioned names like Shevchenko, Torres, Murata, Verna, et cetera, et cetera. I think more than anything, if we just look at the player and say, look, if the player is really good anyway, we won't regret it. So let's focus like, Let's focus on goals. But first, let's try and get the best players in attack first. And that's why I'd always do the Jao Felix over a, a Sterling. And, and, and just as a young attack, it's not perfect yet because I always believe you should have a golden boot chaser, a second striker and an attacking playmaker. And when I look at this attack that I've put here to get right now, I've put an attacking playmaker and I think I've got two uh, seconds because more second strikers, because I feel like second strikers should be more one and two-ish. And then golden boot type of chasers should be like two and three. I'm talking about goals to starts. But what I'd be, I think that's still enough um, in terms of the goals there. It's still enough for us to do damage. Um, and then I'd like to give a Brozier a chance because I know obviously Harlan's gone to City. I feel like um, Brozier can, don't forget, like he's 19, scored like six in 23. And a lot of the times he was playing wide too. I think, and he's finishing the composure. I think that he could really step up and in the goals for us. But I'd like to give the players that space for that. The same way Alex Ferguson gave Cristiano the space to score goals and Rooney. And he could do that 
Because yes, maybe they weren't all of the best goalkeepers at twi- uh, goal scorers at twenty two, whatever, but they were great players, and so that's how I base my philosophy on it. Fair enough. So obviously, giving us the start eleven. So first, I'm gonna I'm gonna say is, do you think there's enough goals in that attack to launch Chelsea to a title win? Yeah, there's there is enough goals in the attack to um, do a title win, but it's not gonna. It depends. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because even this season, really and truly, we scored a lot of goals. <laughs> we scored a lot of goals, and I believe that we can score more goals with this attack. So I believe there's enough um, there, but it's still not what I'd see as a perfect attack. I still feel like there's got to be growth from the players, but I still, at the same time, I still think we can win with this. So you think we could win the Premier League with this starting eleven? One hundred percent. It doesn't sound like you believe that, Dan. No, I don't know. I, no, no, no. You generally believe we can win it probably with this starting eleven. One hundred thousand percent, we can win it with this starting eleven. But it's not like guaranteed. I'd be more happier with um, someone that is a golden boot chaser that I can rely on week in week out to score. That's not to say that like, again. I feel like you have to understand the difference between what I'm saying. I'm not saying that attack is perfect, but again, it's a young attack, and buying the Jao Felix as a piece, I feel like that's what I'm concentrating on for this season. I'm going to give Brozier a chance. Personally, I need to see him at Chelsea. I want, and, and again, we're just talking about starting eleven, but I've always said this for ages. You can't have too many attackers. So I'd sell so many. I'd make sure Pulisic's gone. I'd make sure Werner's gone. I'd make sure Ziyech's gone. And I'd keep it to a tight five for the attack. Um... Because of all of the reasons I'm sure you've heard me say before. Um, and then maybe a Val to kind of supplement as a young player, like as the project young player. But 100%, this, it can win an attack. It's just like we've seen with City, to be fair. They didn't really have an outright goal scorer and they won the league. Now, they've obviously bought Haaland to take it to the next level. Um, so I'm not saying that this is this can be taken to another level. But yeah, 100% with Felix Kaya Mount. Reese James at Nuri, I think that's a, that's five good attackers, dangerous attackers. We've got one-on-one ability with at Nuri. Reese James himself shoots like a horse, like Tuchel says. And obviously with the wing-backs, we hopefully get more goals too. I like the back. And the thing, the good thing about us, and this is not necessarily tied to my team now, but so far with Tuchel, he came in midway through the season and immediately we built a strong base. And then a, a player like Trevor comes in um, in preseason, and immediately he kind of slots in. So with defence, I'm, I'm hoping, even though we have to make a lot of changes, I'm hoping we can kind of build a good base. And, and I've always been a fan of our midfielders. I know that a lot of people hate the midfield. I've always been a fan of our midfield, and we've got other people like Conor Gallagher coming back. I think for me personally, up front, we need better footballers. I'm sorry. We, don't, we haven't had good footballers up front. And to be fair, even though we've had good footballers up front, sometimes they don't always play together. There's always like someone with like like a Werner or a Havertz or someone, someone like Pulisic, who I, I think he's good on the ball, but he doesn't get involved too much. And so I like players that get involved, that are active, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like, um, I think Felix Kaimount will be sick. I, I think he'll be sick. Right, so we look at um, Liverpool, they scored 18 more goals than us, City mm-hmm. 23 more goals than us. So, mm-hmm. how many goals are you expecting from this front three? 
from the front three altogether, I think probably around 35 to 40. 35 to 40. Mm-hmm. 35 to 40. And do you think that's enough to take us to a title given City adding, you know, the firepower power in Haaland and what yeah, you really got? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't. Listen, as long as we beat our opposition, do you know what I'm saying? Um, what if City's beating um, guys? Look, when, when it comes down to it, we still have to close the gap with City and Liverpool. So, um, if I could bring a Haaland, I would. You know what I'm saying? But we can't bring in a Haaland. So, it's not necessarily that we're definitely going to win. I'm not going to lie and say we're definitely going to win um, the league with this. But when it comes down to it, I think this is the step in the right direction. And I think we can win the league with it. Because, again, when you look at last season, City had a better attack for us at the beginning of the season. Liverpool had a better attack. Um, than us at the beginning of the season. But the defensive resolution, uh, resoluteness that we had was what was carrying us. And then we had to rely on Lukaku, who obviously wasn't getting in the games, but he had a few chances. Um, so the idea that, like, really intrigued... I just think we didn't sustain ourselves. We had that injury period and the COVID and all that type of stuff. Like, it's not like we had the best attack then, <laughs> but we were still able to be edge in front. Um, and so we don't necessarily have to, that's not kind of how it works. Like I remember um, for a long while, you'd say that actually, no, sorry, I was going to say that, I was going to say something that doesn't really count. But essentially for that half of the season, I think even though we clearly had probably even worse attack than Man United, all that type of stuff, um, our base was good enough. And I think this is an improved attack than what we've had Um and so, yeah, especially with the likes of Roja, I think, who's better than what we've had in terms of backup. Um, yeah, I, I, and I think Jar Felix is a game changer too because I think that he addresses so many points. And obviously, if he's injured, I still believe in the likes of Hudson Odoi as well. So, so yeah, I'm happy with attack. And do you know what? For me, it's just exciting. I feel like it's exciting. I think a lot of the times this last season, again, um, Hudson Odoi, Mount Havertz, you wouldn't look at that attack and say it's goals galore, but there were games where that were seven nil, four nil with that attack, and it's not necessarily because all of them were amazing shooters, but the the, the gameplay was way more fluid, and it opened spaces for our wing backs, and it was like our oh, wing back scoring, and like it's almost like attacking issue. But as long as someone's scoring, and I feel like as long as we focus on having good players on the pitch, then our attacking play will be better, and we'll be way more likely to score. Whereas when the ball comes to Werner and he's head down and he's doing bullshit and or Pulisic who isn't necessarily involved in the game as often, I feel like that that's what's kind of holding us back. And hopefully, what happens with this when we've just got pure more pure ballers in our attack is we are better in attack, and that leads to more goals. Hmm. I think that's a fair enough point, and um, I guess I can see where you're going with it. Whether I agree that it's a title-winning team, I'm not sure. Whether the listeners do, I guess we'll have to leave that to them. But I guess, you know, you put your you put your 11 through, so I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens now. But, yeah, Dan, yeah. always good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not going to happen. I just don't think we're going to get Felix. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I don't see it. Um, and, and I think my kind of worry... Getting a, a Sterling is that, yeah, he's going to be someone that um, is meant to get the goals. But I just feel like 
Um, what we've said so, so many seasons since Hazard's gone is that we've lost that imagination, some of the imagination. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so what I'm worried is it doesn't even have to be Jao Felix. There's other players there. But what I'm worried is that we're going to have another season where it's going to be like, oh, we, we probably need to buy another attacker. Because, again, we missed that that element, that imagination that we like uh, uh, someone like Eden Hazard brought. Fair enough, fair enough. So, yeah, listeners, do you let us know what you think of the 11? Maybe we share your 11s as well. And, yeah, I guess we'll, leave, we'll see you next week. Peace. Cheers. He's done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. European champions. They've beaten Bayern in their own backyard. They found the Holy Grail after a venture fraught with danger. And Drogba may never play for Chelsea again. He will never be forgotten. He's in hard. Sports Social Podcast Network.